With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everyone, welcome to Seeking Witchcraft. It's me, Ashley, and today we have a really cool topic that we're going to talk about. It's going to be about misconceptions in the craft. And I'm not only excited just to talk about this topic, but I have some really cool co-hosts on today, one of which you guys all know, and the other one is a complete stranger, totally new. So (laughs) without further ado, between door number one, host number two, you want to introduce yourself? It's me, Tiana, again. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like such a weirdo. I'm always introducing myself in the weirdest way. Host number three, new stranger, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, guys. Um, I'm Justin. Uh, I usually go by Azazel. Um, Azazel. Azazel is my craft name. Um, It's usually what you'll find me on, like Instagram or or Tumblr or whatever. Um, I'm a third degree high priest from the Miami area, and I've been practicing witchcraft uh, as a whole, not necessarily just a gardener tradition, but as a whole, since I was like 12. So I've been around a while. Yeah. Very nice. So I want to kind of dub this as like the millennial witchcraft episode. For sure. Yeah. Can we just like appreciate how great Justin's entrance, w- entrance was compared to mine? He's all professional. And I'm just like, hey. Yeah, but you've been on before. Yeah, but even my uh, go listen to my other the other episodes I'm on. I'm like awkward every time. You're fine. You guys, you're fine. I will say Justin's a little nervous, so we're gonna try to make this a fun episode for him. Okay, I've had lots of wine. He has had lots of wine. I have not. I I have a white claw. I haven't opened. That's just getting warm in front of me. But we'll see how this goes. Anyway, so yeah, so today we're gonna talk about misconceptions in the craft, and we came up with a list of topics. And the first one we're going to go with is that Wicca is not ancient. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> not an ancient religion. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is something that has been perpetrated um, since, you know, even from like our elders because of people like Margaret Murray, who at mm-hmm. the time was one of the, the sole people looking into the witch cult of ancient times or what they perceived to be ancient times or, or what they perceived to be uh these little pop-ups of witchcraft i don't want to say culture because it wasn't really a culture um and she kind of delved in and found what she could and but also put in a lot of her own opinions behind what she found and kind of created like this whole cohesive hey there's this big witch cult that's been like going on for like hundreds of years and yeah like this is the information Mm -hmm. yeah and then gardner you know gerald gardner Yes, Gerald Gardner, um, not really knowing the, I guess, the extent of what it was, but he was also interested in witchcraft and things of the occult nature, um, met her and she was like his sole source of like information besides the, until he met like the New Forest Coven or whatever. Um, And so as far as he knew, because, you know, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have uh, books on witchcraft at that time that was written in a very 
in a sense that was shedding light on the craft and most of it was very like demonizing yeah um so that was one of his like sole pieces of of where he could get like information and so a lot of what the early elders of the craft um and variety of traditions they they pulled from her and now you know knowing better and having better um, academic sources to pull from we know that a lot of what uh, margaret murray came up with was wrong yeah or was uh exaggerated not necessarily was wrong yeah it's Um, actually uh worth noting too that um if you if you are curious to know about the origins of wicca the best book is triumph of the moon by ronald hunton and it's a really dry read, <laughs> like it's super dry, yeah, long super read. academic. Yeah, very academic. But it's worth reading if you want to know like the how people are connected and how this mythology sort of formed itself. Because uh, Margaret Murray is, I mean, even at the time, she's this, you know, anthropologist who's trying to piece things together, but she didn't even really have a whole lot of evidence to support it and even during her time is sort of discredited by other historians and anthropologists but i think gardner was taken with the idea of this being true yeah for sure i mean especially like you know having heard this information from her and then randomly finding this witch cult in the middle of nowhere that's super secretive yeah finding yeah i can Uh see how you would believe that you know as far as you know this thing has been going on forever yeah and i mean there there definitely is in inconclusive evidence for how long some of the original groups were uh, together for like when they originated but it's definitely not uh not based uh, in the witch trial times or the middle ages for sure now this is interesting to segue into this like so wicca itself is not an ancient practice but this kind of goes into the burning times like when people were burned for witchcraft back in the day wicca wasn't really freely practiced but kind of like the tenets of paganism were Mm -hmm. you know things of like the medicine man maybe or like you know the cunning woman of the tribe or you know the person you would go to that had all the herbal remedies that you need or you know maybe they knew some things but this wasn't necessarily called witchcraft per se or it might have been but it might have just kind of been a product of its time and this kind of ties into the next topic of the devil in witchcraft (laughs) yeah Yeah, oh sorry go ahead justin no i was gonna say that like it it kind of it ties into it in the in the sense of you know the majority of when we think of witchcraft a lot of what is i guess seen as witchcraft comes from england especially in the united states um like the western understanding of it yeah the western understanding of what witchcraft is comes from Gardner and comes from things that have stemmed off him. And a lot of times, you know, we look towards, you know, we also have like the, the group of of what is called like traditional witchcraft, um, where they kind of pull from that area of like medieval times of what witches did back then. And so you do have lots of inclusion of the devil. Um, and this isn't because to be sort of an animosity towards Christianity or anything like that. I feel like this was the framework in which they grew up in because a lot of them were still Christians. Yeah. A lot of them still did believe in God and everything. You know, they weren't pagans trying to hide their religion as witchcraft. Um, they were essentially, you know, they either, they experienced the horn God in some sort of sense. And because of their, the way that they were brought up in the way that their framework, at least this is my opinion, the way that they were brought up in the way that their framework could understand this horn deity coming to them 
would be in the sense of the devil. I think it's worth noting too that if you look into the superstitions and the sort of mythological figure of the Middle Age, uh, the medieval times witch, mm-hmm. um, a lot of it is shaped by Christianity superstition and Catholic superstition, right? So it's not yeah. necessarily that these like healer women um, are seeing themselves this way. It's that the culture of that time is framing these figures in a specific way that is in relate in relation to Christianity, which is the dominant religion of the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean like pretty much everybody is either Jewish or Christian, you know, in the West, definitely dominantly Christian. And they have that one framework. They they're just using it, you know, because that's what it is. And I, I think, um, people like uh, if you read a lot about like cunning women and cunning folk and and healers men and women uh some of them will claim you know they they would have claimed that they had like all of these magic grimoires or books or whatever they might not have necessarily called themselves witches or they might have um uh, but but you find that a lot of them do that for notoriety or to like strike fear or for credibility so that more people will come to them for like curse breaking or you know so they can make a living and, yeah. and then you have people like isabel yeah. gowdy that was like hey yeah i, I worship the devil we in my 13 coven of me, me and my coven of 13 witches we go into the hills <laughs> of england of ireland and like summon the devil and i lick his asshole and <laughs> all this weird shit. Yeah. And she was like upfront about it and like I, yeah i feel like it's a lot more common now but it's almost like a weird it has an edge of like feminism and edginess mm-hmm. like people want to be sort of edge lords of witchcraft which okay. i mean that's fine if you want to work with satan that's your that's your choice i don't really yeah. care it's not my deity so you know i have no problem with it because it has no place in my witchcraft but if it has a place in your witchcraft more power to you yeah so i mean it's not I, to say that there isn't a devil in the craft per se it's just it's not the christian concept of the devil yeah, I would not. I would say it's not the same figure that most people associate with the devil, but there is a lot of similar yeah. imagery because if you look at the history of Christians sort of slaying pagans and uh, genociding pagan religion and and uh, overtaking it, um, they've uh, the devil and Satan used to look very different than what it looks like now and it's evolved over the years to sort of condemn paganism i want to jump in real quick and and kind of take a step back too in the whole wicca topic about kind of the years of this because it's important to note that wicca itself is not an ancient religion witchcraft today the book that gerald gardner published kind of just outing witchcraft and wicca didn't come out until 1954 and it was based mm-hmm. on the witches he was practicing with in the 1930s in England. So, you know, paganism has been around much longer, but Wicca as a religion in general is really not that old. Yeah. No, it's definitely traced at I think at the earliest to the thirties or twenties, thirties. Yeah. I would say the twenties. Um, Cause obviously there was a coven act like active prior right. to Gardner coming in. Yeah. Um, so I feel like at most they were, they were from like the twenties and then they developed over, over a course of like 10, 15 years. And then Gardner came in. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like they drew a lot on ancient, um, not even ancient, but like older traditions, older, older traditions, old, yeah, older pagan practices that they could understand um, yeah. to kind of, not necessarily to give themselves legitimacy, but to kind of like bring it back to a more primal 
way of interpreting spirituality. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of this too is explained. I mean, however dry the read is for Triumph of the Moon, it's explained like how, um, you know, the culture of the time was even from the Renaissance is like sort of obsessed with becoming more in tune with nature as we were before and like getting back in touch with our pagan roots. And so, I mean, it's not a natural, right? Like if you think about it in, in modern times, right? Like we don't think about the fact that our grandma has this superstition about wearing a sweater when you go outside or a superstition about like the way that she puts on, I don't know, the bomb when you're sick and makes you chicken soup. Like we don't think of these things as witchcraft, but inherently mm-hmm. they're sort of like our modern remedies and like yeah, they're folk you, practices. Yeah, they're folk practices. And so in that way, uh, a lot of witchcraft and paganism is old world folk practices. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So there's one more thing I want to kind of, because we have a bunch of topics that we're going to talk about in this episode, and hopefully we can get all of them today. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But a lot of them uh, have to come with uh, the topic of witchcraft. And we talked a little bit about Wicca. And so this is kind of like one of the last like Wiccan topics that I want to bring up. um, So we can just kind of go with witchcraft from here. Yeah. And that is the misconception that you don't have to practice Wicca in order to practice witchcraft, or you don't have to be Wiccan in order to do that. And I think a lot of people get, a lot of people get tied up on that where they're like, well, you know, I'm Jewish, for example, or I'm atheist and I practice witchcraft. Like, can I still practice? And it's like, regardless of your religion, no one's stopping you from casting a circle or, you know, trying to communicate with ancestors or trying to do some sort of magic. It doesn't necessarily matter your religion. And this is something I do plan to talk about a little bit later because I did have somebody reach out to me and they left a voice message asking if they can still be Christian and if they can still practice witchcraft. And there's two sides, in my opinion, to that answer. And the first is that Yes, nobody can stop you from practicing witchcraft regardless of your religious background or beliefs. However, your religion that you practice may not recognize you as a member of that, you know, tradition, religion, if you're practicing witchcraft. So, for example, for Catholicism, I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of Bible verses out there saying that, you know, you can't practice witchcraft. And, you know, some priest would probably say, like, if you're doing that, you're not Catholic. However, if you're practicing witchcraft and you also follow the Bible, you know, like it's, it's kind of on you, <laughs> like what you believe. So that's just another misconception. I don't know, Tiana or Justin, if you have any strong opinions about this, you'd yeah, like to I share, think, um, you know, kind of like getting into our, our kind of like next topic, so to speak, <laughs> um, being in Miami and being surrounded by lots of Santeros and lots of, uh, people who practice voodoo, um, it is, from my experience, at least, it's seen as a, there's a separation in which, yes, they do practice a form of magic, but it is not witchcraft. But they still consider themselves to be, it's not not all of them. I have met some that, you know, do see a separation between the two. Um, But I have met some that do consider themselves to be Santeros, but they also consider themselves to be Christian or Catholic. Um, Oh, yeah. And then you have the ones that, you know, feel like it's more drawn upon the Yoruba tradition. And so they kind of see Catholicism as kind of like an overarching like uh, layout, but it's not necessarily the core of what their tradition is. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it all varies on their, um, their opinion. Um, but it's still to say that, you know, just because somebody practices magic doesn't necessarily make them a witch. 
mm-hmm. um, but also there's a variety of different witchcraft practices that come from different countries aside from England that um, are still considered to be witches, like the brujos and the brujas from Mexico. And then you have like, um, I have this friend who's, um, she's from Serbia and the Balkan traditional witchcraft that's there is extremely different than the witchcraft, than the traditional witchcraft that's from England. Yes. In which their spirits and their, the way that they work with their um land like the spirits of their land and their ancestors is intrinsically different from what how we would do it as Wiccans or as um just witches in general i I feel Um, like it almost would uh align more with like uh the the like brujo brujas of mexico more closely with like that type of style than than western um british tradition yeah because with us um i mean with us in the sense of like traditional Wicca and um, the majority of even eclectic Wicca to some extent is very influenced by uh, ceremonial magic. And mm-hmm. the, yeah, they just uh, don't realize yeah, how much it influences how the, the it. extent that it goes into like, even like working with the elementals to any extent is comes from the golden dog. Yeah. And yeah. Come, and Elephas Levi and uh, Alistair Crowley. Yeah. Like they did have, like we would not, I, in my opinion, we would not have, the influx of what is witchcraft today without Gardner, without Crowley, without even people like Elvis Levi or Agrippa. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100%. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the other things practiced are witchcraft. Yeah. And that's a good point, too, because, you know, if you look at Native American tribes, there's a lot of magic work that goes on with yeah. a lot of tribes but yeah. they wouldn't necessarily call it witchcraft and we might not necessarily consider it's, yeah, it's there are similarities there's similarities they're absolutely performing magic work i mean tomato different t- tomato tomato, tomato, tomato. <laughs> but also <laughs> exactly. like be wary of calling that person a witch right like because mm-hmm. i know a yes. lot of people who are catholic who are um who consider themselves like I mean, they would be like basically doing what I would call witchcraft or what I would call magic. And they would not call it that because they're working with like their saints. They're working with their maybe maybe a little bit of ancestor work, but more more so like the saints, you know, it is yeah. really big or um, even like Loa's and, and things like that. And it they might not call themselves a witch and I wouldn't go up to them and to assume that they would call themselves a witch don't be like if you know someone like this if you meet someone like this out of respect ask them what they would call themselves yeah because i mean if they want to call themselves if they want to call themselves a witch that's perfectly okay but i I don't think it's right to um force your opinion of what witchcraft is upon them because i feel like even to that extent it's a bit of like cultural erasure like if i went up to a santero and called him a witch and he like i've met many santeros that are not cool with witchcraft at all like they mm-hmm. like it's, it's a yep. it's a big divide between you know witchcraft and santeros and i've been in lots of botanicas that like it's very and it's a very aggressive energy towards fellow witches that i've gone into botanicas with and we can like feel it coming from not only just the people that are there but also like the spirits that are associated with them is that mm-hmm. it, it, sometimes it's okay uh but depending it's also depending on the person running the shop yeah. But like to force your own opinion of what witchcraft in totality is on another culture, I feel like is erasing their history. And yeah, yeah 
that's a, that's something that I don't think is cool. I also think that you can't um, you can't use your same framework of reference for someone yeah. else's framework. Like you can't say, okay, I work within the Wiccan framework. Therefore, I'm going to put this framework over on this person's because it looks similar and it seems the same mm-hmm. because it might not be the same framework for them and it doesn't resonate in the same way for them and it has a completely different cultural meaning for them and it impact. Uh, and yeah, like you said, like a cultural erasure, like it's a, it's a different experience entirely and it's a different approach and yeah, we should respect where people are coming from. I also think it's important to mention like there are um, just because I'm Sicilian and Italian and I'm also Irish and Scottish and those cultures have their own superstitions while also being heavily Catholic, yeah. um, which are similar workings to like what I would say, like, uh, you know, a lot of Hispanic people do like Mexican people and, and Santeros would do similar stuff. Like they would do similar stuff in my family, but they would never, ever, ever call it witchcraft. Yeah. Uh, you know, my, my grandmother was a devout, like, would watch wash the Jesuits laundry on Sunday type Catholic, <laughs> like very devout woman, but she would light candles for the saints and do different things. And like very superstitious woman. And like, I mean, God forbid I ever said witchcraft in her presence, you know? So, <laughs> you know, there, there are different frameworks for these people and their cultures. And you should respect each one as its own thing because it is. Absolutely. So, cool. Any closing thoughts before we move on to the next topic? (laughs) Um, I think we should also, like, just jumping off that a little bit, I feel like we should also jump on the, um, not necessarily this idea that Wicca is, you know, does lots of cultural appropriation, because I do see this a lot. Um, Mm. And I'm not going to say that it doesn't happen, because it definitely does. Yeah. but, but I also feel like there are instances in which you have to be very careful in which how you incorporate different deities from different cultures, how you incorporate different um, spell workings into your, your Wiccan framework if you are a Wiccan. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know how many times I have to correct people that say like, oh, like, oh, just smudge your room to cleanse it or just smudge your house to cleanse it. I'm like, smudging is not a Wiccan thing. No, smudging is a Native American Native thing. American thing. Yeah. And it's not right for you to try to appropriate their customs and their culture into your practice when it's not. I feel like this has to do with the crossover of like the new age with, with Wicca, you know, they become almost synonymous in some circles with how people come to Wicca. And then they sort of like blend their, their previous new aginess with like (laughs) their new Wiccan practices. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that also comes into the, you know, when, at least when I was starting out, um, there was very much this idea of, you know, you're Wiccan uh, uh, and traditional Wicca wasn't really a thing. That's, yeah. I, I did not hear about traditional Wicca until like years later. Um, and so when I came into it and I was reading all these books and a lot of it was, you know, eclectic Wicca was the way to go. You can pretty much do whatever you want and you can incorporate whatever you want into mm. how you can frame your own little bubble. Like the cunning worm the yeah. Cunningham framework of like yeah. do what you want, build your own practice. Basically. And that's perfectly fine and perfectly yeah. doable. Mm-hmm. And there are many people who have become, you know, very adamant and powerful practitioners doing that. But I feel like there's also 
there's a fine line in how you incorporate other cultures into your practice. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that do tend to skirt that line in not a very positive way. Or in a problematic way. (laughs) Did you guys hear about, and this is, this might be a whole topic and you know, this could get a little like dicey. So let's bring it on. (laughs) If you guys have done this uh, or heard this, did you, hear about the girl in virginia who died oh, after yes, yes. okay Wait, so what? for those for those who don't know there was a caucasian woman who lived in virginia and she posted this thing on twitter saying that you know she was wicked and she posted a, a picture of her burning like a little poppet or voodoo doll and then a little bit later Yeah, so then a little bit later, she posted another tweet or something on Facebook saying, I saw Papa Legbutt today and I'm scared. A couple days later, she died. And I believe she was only like 19 or or so. She was very, very young. So that post was pretty viral for, you know, a little bit of time because people were saying, you know, she was working with Haitian voodoo god Papa Legba. (laughs) And they're actually saying that she didn't see Papa Legba, but she saw somebody named Baron, I want to, I want to say that was the, I think it was somebody named Baron or, yeah, I I don't remember the exact name for it, but they're the image of what people perceive to be Papa Legba is like what you see in like American Horror Story. That Mm -hmm. is not, from my understanding, that is not Papa Legba. That is another figure in, um, I don't know if he's part of the Loa or if he's one of the spirits in the, uh, in the voodoo tradition. There's um, well, there there's Papa Legba and then there's Baron Sam Samdi and they're not yeah, the same. Yeah, Baron Samdi. No, no. Yeah, he so looks people, more like the Grim Reaper. People were saying that what happened is she actually summoned Baron Samdi, and apparently the way that she died is she drowned in the bathtub a couple days later. And again, she's oh, only nineteen, uh, or okay. you know something around that age. Um, so I just wanted you know this relates to what you're talking about, Justin. Of like, I would love to get maybe your idea or like your opinion on that of. You know, this was a white woman who was working with Haitian gods for, you know, and, and then she died. So, <laughs> um, but, mean, she, but she called it Wicca. So it's like, I mean, what? I don't, I don't want to, you know, speak. I don't like speaking ill of the dead. I mean, I do anyway, but. <laughs> wow. <laughs> not even get there, in front about it. There are, my opinion of it was when I first heard about it, I was honestly like, you know, she's stupid. Like, why would you do that? Ignorance. It's it, exactly. It's a complete. You went, it, you went into it with a complete ignorance, and not to say that she got what she deserved, but this is the this is the severity of what can happen if you mess with things that are not one are not for you in any way, shape, or form, and two are you know are just you know it's it it's a closed tradition. It's a closed religion not for your practice unless you are initiated like yes you can be a white woman and you know embrace this tradition but you have to be brought in the proper way yes, and if you're not definitely. and you're messing with these spirits because from my understanding the loa are not deities they do have this overarching deity that yes some of them do um and make in reference to being like god um but uh they are not deities in their own sense and so they are spirits that they do yeah. work with heavily in their tradition and they are intrinsic to their tradition. Mm-hmm. And so like intermediaries yeah. between the gods, like the spirit is the intermediary between you and the God 
or gods, yeah. depending on how the practice works. And so if you're going to come in thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to do this thing because I saw Papa Legba on fucking American Horror Story or whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're going to talk about American Horror Story soon. We're going to get there today. <laughs> you know, but like he's become he's become very popularized in pop culture as of mm. recently. And so people get drawn to that. And, you know, that's all well and good. You can do that. You can get drawn to those types of energies and that's perfectly fine. But you shouldn't go appropriating cultures and trying to bring in spirits from other cultures, forcibly spirits from other cultures that historically the white people do not have good track record with working with African spirits or even African-American spirits, especially African-American spirits. I want to um, add too that like props to her, you know, maybe not props is the correct <laughs> word for this, but I was thoroughly impressed by the fact that she was able to conjure up you know, Papa Legba or Baron or whoever it was. I mean, because you that is someone in, and they might show up. You know, like, yeah, or something because, else might show up. Because she she's nineteen. Okay, you know, she is not initiated into that tradition. She doesn't really know much of that work. I mean, she did say in an earlier post that she was Wiccan. So it was very surprising to see her say, "Oh, Papa Legba." That being said, who knows? Maybe she just watched American Horror Story and saw somebody and or a dd or something and thought it was papa leg but yeah. i don't know we're not going to know because unfortunately she did pass in this incident which is a shame and you know again just kind of circling back i thought it was probably impressive in a way that she was able to do that because Ballsy. it's not an easy feat to just call up and summon an entity or a spirit like that you know that takes some work sometimes but then again it's like what tiana was saying sometimes when you go knocking on doors Somebody answers or somebody else answers, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you don't really know who's answering. And I also think, like, just to go back on to what Justin was saying about it, is that, um, you know, like, there's this thing now with mainstream, what I like to think of as, like, mainstream slash eclectic Wicca, which is, like, popularized Wicca, not traditional Wicca, Mm -hmm. um, where people a lot of times i'm not saying everyone this is a generalized term but it seems more common than not to sort of do this like uh like snatch and grab deity thing where it's like oh Oh, i'm gonna do working with this person because i need this i'm gonna do working with this person because i need this and that sort of mindset in my opinion can really get you in trouble because it's like you could be fucking with somebody that like maybe you don't have that relationship with and it's kind of like going to knock on a stranger's door and yeah, being like, doing, hey, I need some flour from you. And then being like, who the fuck are you? You're, you're, um, what's the word for it? Like you're bringing them down into the level of like, oh, they're just this correspondence and not they're an actual spirit or they're an actual deity. Yeah. And, yeah. And not showing, I feel like there's a lack of respect there, for you sure. know, that needs to be, I mean, in my opinion, it needs to be there specifically with, um, you know, things like, voodoo it it, to me it doesn't matter like if you're if you're white or not like there needs to be amount of respect there and reverence like uh for any any practice that you take on Mm -hmm. uh if you want to get anywhere and if you don't want to completely fuck yourself up (laughs) you know like because i think there's there's the capability of doing that with anything whether you're wiccan or you're just like eclectic wiccan like messing with other gods or whatever and i think it's worth noting too that like a lot of people think if you're Wiccan, uh, traditional Wiccan, 
your Gardnerian Alexandrian or whatever, that you only work with, you know, your traditional gods. Yeah. And that you don't have other workings. And I don't think that's true for the most part. Like, you know, there are cultural deities that I personally work with that I would consider like part of my personal heritage, Mm -hmm. you know, but I don't consider that part of my practice with my coven. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, I have, there are many people in like, um, like my coven that do were brought up, like they were completely new and green and they knew nothing about witchcraft prior to being initiated into Garnerian. And so all they know is the Garnerian deities that we work with. And so, I mean, that's completely fine. And you, you know, you can do that. But like for me, when I was, I have been practicing maybe like nine, 10 years, roughly, you know, loosely, you know, because I was like 12 when I started. So what was right. I doing really? Um, <laughs> You're all, what was I doing really? <laughs> um, but like I had, gr- I had developed these relationships with, you know, these other deities that I do, you know, I do honor and I do respect, but they are also separate from my Gardnerian practice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you have to find it, it, ways of doing that. I've mentioned that before too, that, you know, just because somebody belongs to a tradition or they're in a coven doesn't mean that when they go home at the end of the day, they're not practicing with their own deities or their own eclectic traditions. It's, you know, we have our own personal practice. Exactly. Everybody has their own personal practice. Like just because we're Gardnerians doesn't mean that every single time that we're home alone, we're doing Gardnerian ritual. Yeah. Or that we're not doing eclectic or what people would consider eclectic uh, practices because we're by ourselves, you know, or solitary. Exactly. Okay. So let's move on to magic is not like pulp culture. Sorry, y'all. Magic's not like Harry Potter, which I'm sure pretty much everybody's figured out already. I mean, it definitely bummed me out because like I grew up on Charmed. So like I for sure want to be a bank. That's ridiculous. I can't believe you've done that. Um, <laughs> I only saw it um I think two years ago for the first time ever. You saw what you saw Charm two years ago? Yeah, for the first time I watched That's it. That's wild. I was yeah. watching it since I was like six. See, I I, I saw it in passing because I had an older stepbrother whose wife was obsessed with it, but I never watched it with her. Never I think I maybe saw one straight episode, never even put it together. I was not in that that crowd of like charmed obsessed people that's crazy but yeah like i (laughs) i definitely felt you know i i I don't want to say like i expected it of witchcraft because like my coming into the craft was solely different than my obsession with charmed yeah Um, like there were kind of like two separate things that coincidentally happened um but yeah a little there was a little part of me that was like you know i'd totally be up for like vanquishing demons once a week (laughs) great you know i i have actually yeah um when i was growing up so i've mentioned before on this uh podcast that i grew up as a kid like a small child really interested in uh witchcraft and i remember i was second grade when i got interested in it and there is this website and oh my god if there is anybody listening that like remembers this website fuck please message me because i swear like i i can't find it anymore it doesn't exist then again this was like back in like the 90s or early 2000s or whatever there was this website that you would go on and i would just google witch witch like like not even witchcraft just witch or like magic (laughs) on google and the 
like the front of the the website was like this voice and it'd be whispering and it said can you keep a secret and if you said no then you got booted off but if you said yes and you clicked it it was about these two girls who found a spell book at a flea market and there was this picture on the website of a girl flying a broom and all it was was the um aerial view of rooftops of houses and her broomstick and her like shoe she had like a converse shoe and that was the entire picture and as a second grader you see that and you're just like magic exists (laughs) i want to ride a broom and so for a long time as a kid i was like oh my gosh like that must exist but then again at the same time i always kind of knew like no there's no way and of course as i you know became a real person, <laughs> not a second grader. <laughs> I, and, you know, started developing like, you know, some skills and mental capacity. I realized, of course, like Matt, Harry Potter is not real, you know, American Horror Story Coven's not real. Like the magic they practice there is not real. And, you know, it stings a little bit, but. <laughs> I mean, I'm still waiting on somebody levitating in the middle circle. I'm just saying. Right. That would I be mean, Waiting for the day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not like Sabrina where you go and you call upon the devil and sign his big black book with your blood and claim your hereditary right. We're going to talk about hereditary witchcraft a little bit later, too. That's another topic. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have to also speed this up because we're at 37 minutes. <laughs> oh, uh, I was going to say, but uh, so just to tap on Harry Potter uh, and witchcraft. So that I did actually record the podcast. Um, oh yes 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 and that's exactly what we talked about like whether or not harry potter and charmed and lord of the rings are gateways to witchcraft um because my boyfriend's a christian and like he's super he's more into fantasy than i am like Mm -hmm. plays dungeons and dragons like weekly uh type person plays world of warcraft religiously um and uh, still very christian and was raised super religious but like for me, I was a super hardcore Harry Potter fan growing up. I've been I've been reading the books since they came out in the 90s. I was like on the front lines of when this book was released, super on the front lines of it being incredibly popular and read the books a million times. I had all the audio cassette tapes. I went to every movie premiere that came out, waited in line for like hours and reread the books a thousand times. Like I was that harry potter obsessed kid but it has nothing to do with my witchcraft it has nothing to do with me becoming pagan becoming a wiccan um it 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 really is very separate for me for sure yeah i mean i will say though that like when i was 12 (laughs) (laughs) the first spell i think i was 13 at this time because i took like a year of like studying and researching because i I didn't want to do a spell before like i didn't know what the fuck was going on yeah um but like i had watched the craft and nice. there was a whole like binding spell that she does on Nancy. And yeah. so I was like, you know, I was reading, I think it was Buckland's Big Blue Book. And there was a knot spell in there. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to rework this and use the same like wording that she's using in the movie and like do the spell. And so I mm-hmm. did it because like a friend was having, I think she was having, um, she was having some issues with her boyfriend that was like, he was getting super like aggressive, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of shocking when you're like 13 you know yeah. so i think he told me once that like she put he pulled the knife on her or something Whoa. Um, so at that point i just started to interject myself into their relationship very protective <laughs> with, the, with the spell and i was like all right i'm gonna put a binding <laughs> spell on him and you know he's gonna go away or he's gonna stop doing this to her because she's my friend or whatever yeah. and you know it worked you know she came up to me like a week later and she was like 
yo, my boyfriend's been like really weird and like he's been super nice to me and I don't know what's going on. Um, he's like leaving me alone now. Why is that? Basically, and she ended up like <laughs> breaking happening? up. With him. It's like it's like witchcraft. It's like magic. <laughs> yeah, she breaking. She was she's breaking up. With, I mean, he, uh, she broke up with him, and so like in my head, uh, me and my me, me and my cousin brother like to joke about this every time. Like our magic works. Like there's this uh, quote from Pat Crowther. She's like, the magic had worked. Yeah, I always okay. I always quote <laughs> high priestess. Like every time something good happens to me, or like something happens in the nick of time, I'm always like, the goddess provides. Like right. she says that in her book all the time, and I'm just like quoting it. <laughs> brings me life. Oh See, my like, gosh! In that moment, I was like, holy shit, this is real. And <laughs> yeah, what am I gonna do with this now? But like, I feel like there are like there are um pieces in which you can incorporate pop culture into your magic and you can yeah. get inspiration from it mm-hmm. but i think solely thinking that you know i'm going to shoot fireballs out of my wand to you know curse somebody yeah is, that ain't that, gonna happen that's unless not gonna it's happen. on the astral plane <laughs> I don't know about you guys but my wand can shoot some fireballs so i'm sorry well, maybe you guys are just weak that's <laughs> okay but oh. i do want to mention about the craft though um i did read an article about it one time um and i they actually did use some actual wiccan uh yeah. spells oh, yeah. from i don't i'm not sure where their sources were well but i think they had like a like a wiccan on that yeah oh, they like a wiccan consultant that's great yeah, yeah. they did For yeah sure. and i know that they said that a lot of weird shit happened like specifically mm-hmm. that beach scene they said yes. it got like really weird yeah. their their technology kept malfunctioning and it like turned off bit. and like a bunch of bats came out of nowhere and yeah, yeah. i feel like uh. that would be the most accurate um pop culture reference to uh to actual like witchcraft that and like if you're looking for like accurate paganism would be like uh, I don't know, The Last Kingdom, Vikings, and American Gods are yeah. what I found to be the most accurate, where I'm like, there's so much paganism. Oh, and magicians. Um, obviously, like, magic doesn't happen like that, but there's, I mean, they make so many references to, like, like Our Lady Underground, which is, like, Persephone, and, like... Oh, the magicians, yeah. Yeah, there's so much paganism in that show. I- you know what, though, with the magicians, one of the biggest things that I like about that show is that even though they have this Hollywood type magic, it goes to show that their life doesn't necessarily get any better. If anything, magic yeah. can sometimes complicate things. And sure. the biggest thing is that it's a very, it's very much a show that's based on somehow reality. If Hollywood magic was real and it kind of goes yeah. back to, you know, traditional magic and witchcraft that we practice where yeah. this is like, you know, being able to practice magic and being able to be involved in Wiccan witchcraft and, and things like that, specifically witchcraft and magic yeah it's like my high priestess has said being able to work magic is like having another tool in your toolbox that you can Mm -hmm. access to help you out but just because we have that tool doesn't mean that our life is you know a million times better and with the magicians it really showcases that that just because they can do these things doesn't mean that life's not gonna suck sometimes yeah 100 percent. i mean i feel like for me even that like the magic side of it i could honestly care less about like I, I hate more, I more focus on like the esotericism and the, um, the mysticism of the understanding yourself yeah. and in tandem with everybody else and yeah. also the gods and like how that all intertwines. That's for me is more fascinating than doing some magic spell to curse somebody. Cause like, I, I like literally you do something to me, I could care less and Same. I'm more focused on this other thing. And I'm self-absorbed. Like, I don't want to yeah. care about me, bro. 
<laughs> just just saying, but I, I, I think, you know, magicians, just to like um, mention, like, you know, Quentin, the main character is constantly seeking, I know, seeking, um, you know, he thinks that magic, that Fillory is going to be like the end all solution to every problem that he has. And yeah. literally, and it does not solve the problem that it, that problem that he has. He, right. Well, he has to deal with himself. And I feel like this is so relevant to specifically traditional Wicca, but any kind of like oh, yeah. personal development that you do, uh, yeah. any kind of like spirituality that forces you to do shadow work or look at yourself, like you realize like one spell, like a magic spell really isn't going to fix your fucking traumas. Like it's not no. going to fix your issues, you know? And yeah the the real magic to me is the harder work yeah yep. for sure like i, I don't I do i do want to ask just real real quick so this is part of having the fun of an amateur podcast do you guys <laughs> want to go over an hour because we have some things we can really talk about tonight yeah. yes okay justin say your thing but then i do want to ask you about magic if it's real because i know we wanted to talk about that at one point yes um <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, I'm oh, so um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's gone. All right, y'all. Is magic real? <laughs> I, I, I definitely feel that it is. It's real to me. Um, I feel like it. It depends on what you really define as magic. True. Uh, for mm. me, like. Look at him. Philosophical. Yeah, look at look at you. Damn. <laughs> right. no, I mean, for sure. Justin's I definitely... the youngest one in this podcast right now. And look at you. Um, I mean, like for me, like I feel like there's <laughs> there's definitely a degree of magic that is at least on my end, if you're not getting results, you're not doing magic. Mm. To, that, that, that's it for the end of the day. Like, yes, there are things that you can do that are more of like a placebo effect. Sure. Like I don't like you were saying before, like if you're like through the work of like of shadow work and you're really working on yourself, will you ever truly grow? And so if you're doing spells like, I don't know, like I'm going to, uh, I'm going to feel happy today. Yeah. And I feel like that's more of you're tricking yourself. You're tricking your mind into creating a positive outlook. And yes, that can a hundred percent work for you. And that can work for you in that moment. But is that really covering the underlying issue of why you don't feel happy in that moment? Yeah, it's like treating the symptoms but not the root cause. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And for me, like that's I don't feel like that is really can be helpful. I feel like that's more it's it's putting a band-aid on a you know, you just lost your leg and yeah. you're putting a small band-aid on it. Band-aid on a bullet wound. Yeah. Um <laughs> at least in my opinion. For I yeah. mean for some people that does work, that does tend to cover it up and this is why I do tend to have very opinionated views on like the love and light crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is very, I, for, at least from my perspective, it is very, let's all mask this in love and light and ignore all the bad that's happening. I mean, I feel like there's a time and place for love and light. Like there's yeah. nothing wrong with being like love and no. light. Like, of course we can all use more love and light, but also 100%. like you can't ignore the dark aspects of yourself because if you do, I feel that they're just going to haunt you even harder. For sure. You know, like that you you must acknowledge both sides of the coin for there to be balance. Like that's just mm-hmm. how I feel about um, life in general. You know, like there is a duality in nature that we see, mm-hmm. and you know, like it's like what goes up must come down. Like your 
your tsunami wave that goes back and you know it like pulls completely back like you know it's going to come forward and that energy has to go somewhere mm-hmm. yeah and it's kind of like a karmic balance in a way and oh gosh this isn't <laughs> we could talk about the rule of three because that is so widely like misunderstood but for example just going off the love and light like if somebody wants to do a spell that's very love and light induced people have to realize like all the consequences that can come out of doing that spell. And a lot of times people don't want to consider that. And that's why spell work I think should be very calculated. And another reason why I think that if you're going to do spell work on somebody else, you really should get their consent because you don't know how that's going to turn out. Because say if you have a friend who's going through some financial trouble and you do a money spell to help them out, you don't know if that money spell is going to help them out because a loved one who has their friend in their will, <laughs> that loved one's going to pass away and their friend's going to get that money. So you've got to really weigh out all your possibilities here before you, you know, do things, even if they seem positive and you have to make sure that it seems like it's worth the effort you're going to put in. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I also think but, it's worth yeah. noting too, that like uh, karma as Western people understand it is not the same as Indian Hindu, uh, yeah karma like all karma is inherently bad uh so i feel like people should stop using the term karma and use like 100%. what goes around comes around because that's really <laughs> what we're saying is what goes around comes around like what you I mean, put out there is gonna then, come that, back to you it's not necessarily true yeah it doesn't really cover it but i don't really know like a better way of saying it that isn't karma because that's like it's like we recreate we redefine karma for ourselves but it's not really the meaning of karma yeah 100 percent. like I, I don't agree in like their karma has literally nothing to do with wicca or witchcraft chakras really have nothing to do with wicca or witchcraft honestly if we're gonna get on that topic but um it's technically tarot cards that's not witchcraft yeah, no, you're not it, doing you're not doing magic for tarot cards no you're not it's a different well you could you could mm-hmm. say that you're, you're you can utilizing. you can incorporate it that into yeah. into your magic into your yes. witchcraft. yeah but, but doing a tarot it, card is not magic no. No, you're the conduit for the magic. The, or, the, or sorry, the, it's a conduit for your magic, I would say. Yeah. And you can use them to put like on an archetype of what you're trying to accomplish. Totally. To do work, whatever kind of magic you do. But yeah. going back to what we were saying, um, I forgot what we were saying. Oh, we were talking about oh. karma. And oh, karma. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the karma is not the same thing as let's say the creed, the read or the, or the rule of three or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Like it. That's, it's not the same thing at all. For one, the rule of three is a re it, it's a read in the sense of it's a piece of advice, you know, mm-hmm. don't do things that you wouldn't want done to you. Essentially. Like every religion yeah. has, you know, don't be a dick essentially. <laughs> yeah. Don't be a dick. I, I always say that to people. That's a great rule. It's yeah. simple. And I love how like so I've I've had so many people just like recite like the whole like they like to say it's the whole read, and there's so many things like so many lines in it. I'm like literally the read is, and it harm none. Like what what is it? Do what um, you will. Eight words the wicked read for fail and it harm none. Do what you will. Yeah, or do what like, thou wilt or whatever. Yeah, it's literally all the read is. Right. And even that was like for my if I if I remember this correctly like even that was not created by Doreen. She pulled that from somebody else. Doreen uh, Valiente. Yeah. For those yeah. for those wondering who who he's talking about. Yeah, Doreen Valiente. Uh no, it it comes from uh some 
it comes from Alistair Crowley, one of his books. I haven't read the book, but I've read a, the entire quote of Kant. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a and variation he, of what Alistair Crowley. Um, yeah, he he yeah. says, uh, "Do what thou wilt. Love, love is, the, is law. the law. Love under will." Yeah. Um, and people always quote the "Do what thou wilt" as if like uh, like a lot of Satanists I notice, and like people who are like all about doing whatever the fuck they want, they quote mm-hmm. this, but then they don't quote the other part where he says that love is the law. Um, yeah. And so like, it completely changes the meaning if you actually think about that. 100%. In yeah. context. But, um, you know, read that on your own time. Uh, as far as like rule of three, I think it's incredibly hard to, um, to not harm anyone with anything that you do. I mean, yeah, I definitely don't think you should be doing uh, workings on people without their permission. Uh, it's, I mean, I think it's like one thing if you're like doing a general working, like sometimes, you know, I do general workings for people that I love and I'm like wishing them well, but I don't do yeah. any like specific working where I'm like, Oh, I need them to get an inheritance or something like that. Like, cause yeah, yeah. I think that's a very invasive thing, but I don't necessarily believe in the rule of three, uh, as, as things coming back to me. Uh, yeah, like it's very three? misunderstood. It, it, it was originally referenced in High Magic's Aid, and people took it completely out of context. And now the local, like, all, all the witchy online Facebook groups, they'll talk about the rule of three, the rule of three. But the rule of three in High Magic's Aid was really more of like, hey, if you do good by a witch, that, like, I'm just going to use the word karma because it's the easiest thing. Sure, that good karma will come back to you times three. But it's only, like, I think it's it's something with, like, to another witch as well. Like, if a witch is good to another witch, then they'll be rewarded times three. But it doesn't have to do with, like, if you do a spell, you are going to get that back to you times three. There's a really good blog post on it if anybody's interested. And I believe well, the title is, like, yeah, Gard- Gardnerians, like, WordPress. And it's something like, shocker, there's no universal threefold law. If you're really interested in this, I would highly, highly, highly recommend checking out that blog post because it does talk in depth about the rule of three and why it's so misunderstood and the mm-hmm. origins of that exact concept. Yeah, that. Yeah, I would <laughs> love to read this article. Actually, I'm going to go look for it later. But um, I think you might know the person who wrote this article, Tiana. I'm sure I do because I know who <laughs> runs the blog. But um, I, I'm very excited to go read it because I there are so many. There's a lot of good content on there. Um, that is very insightful and there's a lot of writer I think there's a lot several contributors to it which is really cool Mm -hmm. because you get several viewpoints in that way but um, yeah you know I think what you mentioned about context is really important there's a lot about Wicca that is not known in terms of context for the uninitiated and that's that's fine if they don't want to be initiated but also understand that you're taking something that that is you know, an initiatory uh, practice and you're sort of appropriating it for your own purposes and then I mean, misinterpreting it for, and it's not a harmful thing really, except that the, there's misinformation there because people can misunderstand what the original meaning was. It gets muddied up. I think. I do have a, a, a like a bit of an opinion on this because like yeah. for me, like, especially like coming into this tradition, having already been eclectic for like nine years, yeah. or nine or 10 years or something like, and learning all this information about like where it started, where it came from, like where, how it was brought to the U S and everything. Um, and I feel like, especially during the time that it was getting super popular, you know, like the sixties, the seventies, 
Yeah. And it was this time of like, you know, embracing a new type of spirituality. You know, a lot of people were getting into like being hippies and, and all of that. <laughs> <clears throat> and so like, you know, you have this religion that's, you know, one, you know, doesn't care about nudity, you know, doesn't care about, you know, there's no sins and everything. Yeah. And so a lot of people were Embracing getting human nature. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people were getting super interested in it. But at the same time, you have this initiatory witch cult that is at the time very small. You know, it was just coming out of England and there was only like a couple covens, you know, really active at the time, having been only active for like 10 years. Um, you know, you bring that to the United States and everybody finds out, like people finding out about it because obviously Gardner just wrote a book about it and people are super interested. Yeah. And, and he was on TV. At, uh, he was on B- the BBC. They interviewed him and it was like this crazy. Yeah, and they were a lot of our yeah. elders were very uh a proponent to like be you know very active in the media and yeah spreading the word active. about trying to disseminate the the misinformation about witchcraft yeah exactly but like at the same time you have all these people that are interested in it yeah. and there's not enough groups because mm-hmm. there's a limit to how many people you can have in a group right and and the, a limit only, to people that can teach i think because yeah, there, you know there's you can not only that many have people. you can only have so many people in one group and there can only be so many training covens. And there, I think like the furthest reason, there were a lot of people that were initiated and brought through the degrees like super quickly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, rushed there were. through it so that they can start a coven because like we have all these people waiting and we have to bring them in because they're, they're either going to get bored and do something else or, or whatever, whatever the, the idea may be. Yeah. And so I feel like a lot of that, I don't want to say it was due to us, like the eclecticism that came about after yeah. that because like people obviously were hungry for this information they they were hungry for this you know f- newfound spirituality that they felt like they kind of connected with yeah because you know there were these outer courts that had like a shitload of people in them i mean mm. i've never experienced that but i feel like I've, I've heard of people having like you know 20 people in like a wicca study group or something yeah and, and or on those uh they did those like correspondence courses in the 70s yeah. it was like through mail and there was a lot of, and there was also a lot of people that, you know, they couldn't afford to go like fly to England or fly to New York to, yeah. you know, get initiated. And so they pieced together, you know, at least from my understanding of like, even like the Georgian tradition, you know, they couldn't get initiated. So they essentially pieced together what they could and the information, the little bits and pieces of information from people that they could talk to yeah. and, you know, mash together this, their own tradition. Yeah. That's a good and, point. Yeah. I mean, which is perfectly fine you know, creating your own, uh, essentially your own spiritual egregore and propagating that and that becoming its own thing. Yeah. hundred percent fine. Yeah. But I don't the think there's time, any, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. At the same time, you have all these people that are, you know, hungry for this, but there's not enough information to go around. There's not enough people to train them. And so mm-hmm. you do have this influx of eclecticism because it's just, there's not enough people. And that becomes a norm because there's more people looking for it than there's more people uh, able to initiate them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's a common thing. (laughs) There's only so many covens out there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that uh, even Buckland, um, you know, the big blue book uh, is that that's a whole reason he said that he like created the book was because there were so many people who wanted to, you know, 
be a yeah. part of Wicca, and they couldn't initiate people fast enough. Uh, basically, what is it called? Sue Sue Wicca? Is that what? Sue Wicca. Yeah, I talked yeah. about oh, that yeah, in my yeah. second yeah. episode and on has, going through the know, different traditions. I feel like that's why he, you know, perpetrated the the idea of self initiation into that. Um, that way, you can have some sort of semblance to what Wicca is. Yeah, you know, without having to travel hundreds of miles to get initiated. I mean, I, I'm not gonna. I've never experienced Sue Wicca, but I've experienced eclectic Wicca, and it is vastly different from traditional Wicca. Yes, definitely. Um, but it, you know, it's something. It's something to. I don't want to say it's to hold you over, but it's something that can enlighten you in a in a way that, you know, feed your your need for the craft. Yeah, yep. or just fulfill you. You don't necessarily yeah. have to be like initiated to get no. something from Wicca or, you know, there's so much available. And even if like maybe you're not getting the same context that somebody who's initiated gets, it doesn't necessarily make it wrong or bad or whatever. It's just, it's a different interpretation because there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's missing links there. Or yeah. maybe there there's connections made, like you said, like people are initiated and they make their own connections and that's fine. Yeah, that's why we have the yeah. different objects like Alexandrian, like we have uh, CVW or Blue Star or yeah, for um, sure, all these other groups because like they find their own form of of how it you know can resonate with them, them truly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So I want to transition this a little bit. So one of the next talks we were going to talk about is that you don't have to have this witchy aesthetic. And this is something I've actually talked about in a previous episode, uh, but I want to expand on this a little bit more. And I think Justin could be a very um, key person to talk about this as well. So not only do you not have to have a witchy aesthetic, but I think it's important for people to have an open mind about what witches look like. And for example, in my training group, my training high priestess was somebody who was part of a older generation to, than myself. So he was really my only experience with traditional witchcraft, with a coven, with anything like that. So I kind of just assumed that like, hey, you know, he's a high priest. He's an older generation. That's just the norm. And then I went out and met Tiana's high priest, who was <laughs> <laughs> not a older... Yes, an experience. <laughs> he, he was not an older... Uh, generation. And then we have people like Justin, who is a couple months younger than me. And he's a third degree high priest in the tradition that three of us follow. And, you know, I think it's important to know, or maybe not know, but like, not to judge what people might look like. Because if when I first met Justin, and he told me, hey, yeah, I'm third, I was like, what? How old are you? What do you mean you're a third degree? Like, huh? <laughs> pretty epic yeah really cool i mean for me like getting i don't want to say getting initiated was like my goal but um finding a sense of uh, a group that can train me and because I, I you know practicing for so long eclectic i was i feel like i had like all this knowledge and i had read all these books and i and i, I was actually you know practicing you know the stuff that i was reading but at the same time, I didn't have a cohesive practice that really could resemble anything. It was like I was doing one-offs here and there. I see. And so, like, I really wanted something that could really, like, train me in, 
not the correct way because there is no correct way to practice witchcraft there's no correct way to practice magic but in in a sense that can give me some sort of structure (laughs) yeah and um by pure happenstance i found this gardnerian coven um when i was like i want to say i was 23 and you know just that's essentially how that really happened like it, it was and you know having all this background knowledge did help me in going through the going through the degrees but it is a period of self-transformation you really it, it does take lots of looking deeply at yourself and how you can really grow from one the things that you're learning and two is it really helping you um absolutely yeah well justin let me ask you this um you know i know that a lot of the people who you've had around you and your covenant your training group have tend to be like they, they tend to be younger people as well but have you ever experienced anybody not like me for example or like maybe like even tiana or something but like somebody who's not in this tradition somebody you might not have known very well kind of be taken aback when you say like yeah i'm a high priest like i'm a high-ranking person in my witchcraft tradition has have you ever or like maybe you've met another person of like a similar like status have have you encountered anything of like people being surprised at your youth with how much knowledge that you've gained i mean because um, you are every, you are a teacher of the craft essentially yeah yeah i mean i do i do have my own coven um but i definitely have met people um especially in the i, I want to say the, the communities that i did i guess run around in before um was very eclectic and so like but even then, like just talking to like random one-off people, um, either online or whatever, like they would be completely shocked that you know traditional Wicca was even still a thing. Um, yeah, people act like it's fair. dead. Yeah, it's not. It's very much alive and thriving. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's what I thought. I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> like I've, I, like since I've been initiated to now, like I've seen like twice as many people in my area. Not not even twice as many. Like four times as many people in my area, or at least in Southern Florida like expand from when I, when I, at least when I got initiated. Um, same, 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 same. Oh my God. There have been so many people who've been popping up in my area. It's insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have gotten a bit of, uh, I did have an, I don't want to say an issue, but I, for me, it was a bit of an issue because it was nothing. It was something that I hadn't dealt with before when I had interviewed um, a student that um, he was significantly, sorry. He was significantly older than me. Um, and I, I don't want to say that he did end up leaving the group because of this. Um, but I feel like that did play a part into why he ended up leaving the group. Um, you know, feeling that, you know, you know, there is this young kid who's like half my age that, you know, is teaching me this religion. Like, I, I, I it's definitely something that I think about <laughs> whenever I'm, you know, interviewing somebody um, to join my coven or to join this tradition, um, you know, how can I essentially adult myself up a little bit <laughs> to get these people to really take me seriously, you know, cause yeah. I am young. I'm only 27. I just turned 27 years old yeah. and you know, it, it is something that, you know, typically when you either join a company, you join a religion, you do expect this, you know, elder to be teaching you in the craft. Yeah. And that's definitely something that I've had to experience. And thankfully, like, 
I don't say thankfully, but like the the other students that I do have, they do tend to um, have a sort of respect for me in the way that I am able to explain things. And so I guess that kind of lends to my benefit. But I do I do definitely have experiences where people are just like shocked that I'm a third degree and I'm teaching. I run my own coven and all this. It's definitely been an, uh, uh, an experience for sure. Yeah, and I was I was going to say the exact thing you just said where when most people think of a teacher, especially like for witchcraft, you know, like people tend to think of older individuals and, yeah. you know, when they find out that like, oh, no, there's somebody who could be younger than me. There could be somebody who could be very well my age. There could be somebody who's just a couple years older. Like there's no age when it comes to knowledge. No. Yeah. Especially in traditional witchcraft. Yeah. I think, too, like, just as far as uh, talking about witch aesthetic, um, you know, they're not all goths. They're not all, you know, uh, witchy-looking women, like the stereotypical, you know, uh, insta-witch or whatever. I mean, I think a lot of us have a good appreciation for that sort of thing. You know, it's it's fun to look at, and it's beautiful. And I I personally have a lot of Venus in my astrology chart, so... Uh, I love beautiful things, but I know that, you know, your witchcraft, your practice does not have to look that way in real life. That's okay. If it does, it's okay. If it doesn't. And I think that understand that like witches come in all shapes and sizes and they, they don't look like what you might expect all the time. hundred percent. Like even like when I met, like uh, a lot of people say this about like my high priest, like he's, you know, this six foot something dude that like, all he does is like watch weird, like not weird shit, but like, uh, like either like baseball or football, like these sports. And he's this typical like guy's the guy. Man's man. Yeah. Yeah. He's a typical like guy's guy that you wouldn't expect. If you looked at him, you would definitely would not expect that he did witchcraft and that he like practiced skyclad amongst a bunch of other people and did witchcraft. Like the, that's you wouldn't I, expect that looking at it. That's one of my favorite so, things. Is yeah. Right? Meeting witches that you're just like, wait, you're what? a witch. You're yeah, a witch. Amazing. <laughs> like, I, oh gosh, without getting into too many details, I remember I met this one witch, and like, just meeting him, like, you wouldn't expect that he's a witch. Like, he just doesn't really give off that vibe. Like, he was super, super cool, super nice. Like, but like, the job that he did was very intense. Like, he had a military background, mm-hmm. and I. It wasn't until we were like at in the thick of things and we were about to like actually start doing ritual that I was just like, "Oh shit, he's actually like, oh, he is a witch." Like, oh, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> and and I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah, and it's you know I I definitely do have a witchy aesthetic. I don't wear a pentacle every day or like pretty much ever because I feel self conscious when I'm out in public, especially if I'm by myself. Oh, I do. Uh, but I, you know I'm quarantining at home, so it shouldn't really happen anyway. But you know I wear a lot of black. But honestly, I just wear black anyway, <laughs> which are before I did witchcraft uh, or not. Same. Um, but Same. like you know, as I mentioned in a previous episode, I went to a um an event where a bunch of people in my tradition got together for the weekend. And there was one person there who was just extraordinarily modestly. And you would have never, ever, ever guessed that she was part of the tradition, just looking at her. And it's not just her. I mean, there's 
I know witches who are lawyers, who are psychologists, who are doctors, who are EMTs, who are firefighters, who are, who are in the military. I mean, witches come in all shapes and sizes. 100%. And I love that diversity. Yeah, me too. And I noticed that there are quite a lot of witches, uh, specifically um, traditional Wiccans who work in service positions like healthcare service oh, yeah. or like psychiatry, mm-hmm. like they're trying to help other people and it's just it's amazing you know and it's stuff you would not expect like even scientists engineers um mm-hmm. you know uh yeah. i think that's really cool nurses there's yeah, definitely a lot nurses, of nurses yeah. yeah a lot of nurses um but i, I think that's really freaking cool because it's it's not necessarily something people associate with witchcraft, but it no. it's very common. Witches yeah. are everywhere. You just got to keep an eye out for them. Yeah, man, they're they're helping you recover from COVID. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they are. And I'll be the first to tell you, like sometimes that person you don't think is into witchcraft at all is really fucking witchy on their weekends. Yeah, hundred percent. For sure. All right. So one next topic. Um, you don't have to be female to be a witch. Oh, <laughs> In case it hasn't been obvious yet. Right. And Damn. just to add on I've wasted that, the and... last half of my life. Oh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> Justin. <laughs> just to add on this, and this may get some opinions, but we're here for it. We're here to talk it out. You don't have to come from a bloodline of witches, quote unquote, to be a witch. Because listen, y'all. I come from a bloodline of Catholics, and that doesn't mean shit. Same. <laughs> just because my entire Clearly, family was Catholic. That has not led to us anything. Yeah, Although, just because my entire family was Catholic, I don't practice Catholicism. And would okay. you, like, would you say, hey, Catholicism runs into your blood? It's like, that's nice. I practice witchcraft. <laughs> that being said, of course, if you, if you have a parent or a family member who may perhaps have some sort of psychic ability and maybe that's passed down. That's one thing. But I see a lot of people online saying like, oh, well, you can't be a witch unless your mother or grandmother was one or like, you know, oh, I'm a seventh generation white witch from the mountains of Europe, like like things like that. Listen, if you are interested in witchcraft and you have the time and the dedication to get involved in it, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> like you're a witch. <laughs> yeah, do it. Uh, but I also want to say too, like for people being raised Catholic, uh, I, I'm not Catholic, but my dad's very Catholic, and we did growing up. I did like uh, occasionally go to catechism with my stepsister who was Catholic because they were trying to like get me to convert. Uh, and <laughs> and I really, <laughs> I had this deep appreciation for the old churches and the incense and the music. And I remember that was something that I really loved about Catholicism. I didn't really resonate with the religion part of it, but like, dang, like the incense, the smell, the songs, like the Mm. vibe of the wooden church, like I was here for it. And I feel like some of that stuff really is sort of witchy inherently. (laughs) My love of incense, you know? Oh yeah. We, in my uh, training group for my outer court, my training high priest had a 10 pound box of church incense and I absolutely love the smell of it. It smells so good to me, but to me, it didn't really resonate with the Catholic church, even though that's like what were, where they used it for me, it resonates with witchcraft whenever I smell it. So yeah, you best sure. believe next time I step foot in a Catholic church against my will <laughs> like, <laughs> when they're lighting that incense, 
I'm just going to hope I don't slip into some ritual mindset real quick because I'm probably not there for that. <laughs> I mean, literally, it does happen. I mean, I've heard it happen. Like, you go to church and mm-hmm. they're singing or whatever. I mean, depends on the church you go to. But, you know, they they might be singing or they're raising all this energy. And, like, you but can... They don't know they're raising energy. Exactly. And, like, you're just like... And then it just becomes, like, this wet thud because they don't know what to do with it. Because <laughs> they, don't, they don't realize. Like, they don't know exactly. that it's there. And I feel like that's a... It's also a big part of, you know, witchcraft itself. The core of witchcraft is, you know, whenever you're doing any sort of magic or something, you know, the culmination is, you know, you're raising that energy up to direct it somewhere. And so, you know, you you get in those spaces like going to church or something and you feel like the the energy is is heightened because of what everybody is has a sole focus of either prayer or or um uh what's the word like uh you know purification or or whatever worship Um, yeah or worship you know you know you are raising all this energy because everybody is on the same level you may not be on the level because i definitely wasn't on the level obviously um but (laughs) (laughs) but you know you do still feel that energy palatable i think that's so important to mention the energy because i think one of the biggest things with witchcraft is being able to sense that energy because i can tell you when i was a kid I didn't feel anything when I was in church. I just remember being bored, asking my mom for like a mint from her purse so I can, I don't know, focus on something other than whatever this old man was talking about in front of me. Seriously, my mom used to have these mints from Victoria's Secrets and I hated them, but like it was something to keep my mind focused aside from the one time I remember crying because I was like, that's so sad what they did to Jesus. Man, why can't, why would they do that? But it wasn't like the story. It was just like how they abused him. I was like, oh, that's sad. I don't like that. And I cried. Anyway, getting back to the witchcraft focus of like, it's so important to be able to sense energy because as a kid, I didn't feel shit going into those Catholic churches, which is a big reason of why Catholicism didn't really resonate with me. But I guarantee you, like, if I were to go into a Catholic church today, I have no doubt that I would be able to sense that energy way, way, way more than I ever could before. Because now... You know, going like we're we're attuned to yeah. like feeling that energy. You know, when whenever uh-huh. we're calling in the elementals, we're feeling we're supposed to be like feeling them. You know, coming into the circle, coming into the space. Mm-hmm. If you work with elements in your circle, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, you're working with you know these spirits, and you're supposed to be calling them in. You should at least at some point be able to feel them, and if you're not feeling them, you should work on that. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And, and I do want to point out one thing, one thing too, that Justin said, like when he references spirits, he doesn't necessarily, it's, it's not all encompassing the God and goddess. Cause I know no. some of the people who listen to the show are not Wiccan. They just strictly follow witchcraft or they spirits work can with also, nature spirits or something. Exactly. Spirit, yeah. Exactly. Spirits can also mean the elemental spirits and it's, you know, a way to look at the elements like uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember, but I think fire is like the salamander, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's that whole concept. I don't know if you guys know that off the top of your head. If you want to say what they are, because <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> the, uh, fire is salamanders. The earth is the gnomes. The water is the undines. Air is the sylphs. Yep. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. We go. See, that's why he's the third degree. <laughs> that's why he's third degree. <laughs> yep. Right there. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because, like, I think uh, because my upbringing was so secular. Uh, even though um, 
my mom was like raised Christian. She was very against sort of organized religion, didn't really believe mm-hmm. in the church. My dad was just sort of Catholic because that's what Italians do. You know, you're like, yeah, okay, I was raised this way. I go to church. I'm Catholic. That's, you know, but not really like inspired by it. And I remember thinking like, oh, like going to Catholic church is like an adventure. Like this is like cool because we didn't do it all the time. And um, I never understood half what they were talking about in service, um, mostly because my parents got divorced and then my dad married um, my stepmom who's Mexican and they always wanted to go to Spanish mass. And at the time I didn't understand Spanish when I was a kid. Um, And so I had no idea what they were even talking about, but I'd be like entranced by like the the vibe of the church because I did feel the magic in the church. I just didn't really resonate with like the mythos of it, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. or the, the way that they, they believe, um, you know, that didn't vibe with me, but like the, the incense, the vibe of the church, like the, the, the singing, okay, I'm here for this. Like, gosh, oh my gosh, you're, you're making me have one of those, like, oh man, like, aha uh-huh, type moments. Cause I specifically remember being a kid and I used to not like going to Catholic church because, you know, it was just so boring to me. And I used to remember telling my mom, like, mom, mom, I want to go to like the black churches. They look so much fun. Like they're singing, they're dancing, they're moving around, they're getting their blood flowing. And now I'm looking at that, like, oh my God, they are like actively raising energy within that church. And that was something that I was so craving that I wasn't getting. Hmm? Like the Southern Baptist churches. Exactly. And that was something I was craving that I was craving that energy build. And that's not something I was getting from the Catholic church. This Catholic church is very, you sit, you kneel, you sit back down, you stand up. It's very formal. Yeah. I really liked that aspect. And I don't know why I think it's because it was novel for me because like, probably okay. My mom had this thing where she liked to take me and my brother to different historical cathedrals like catholic cathedrals like just you know the old ones and um old cemeteries the old ones yeah the old yeah huh. hello <laughs> um, <laughs> but um you know i loved these places i would i loved going into these old churches and lighting uh you know you can go and pay and light an incense or light a candle for somebody and i love doing that shit like i was all about that when i was a young kid i just like felt like it was so magical Um, and I always felt like there was a vibe in the cemetery. Like I always felt very like peaceful there. Like I know some people, you know, that's kind of a weird thing to do with your kids, I guess. But, um, for me, it was like an adventure and I felt like a peacefulness with the dead. I never felt afraid. Um, you know, so it's, I guess for me, it was just such a different experience. I definitely felt like the magic of it, even though I didn't vibe with like the religious aspect. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But did we cover every topic? I'm like shocked. I believe that we did. Oh my gosh, almost an hour and a half I think later. We skipped over the the women, the women thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we had you in the chat, so it's pretty obvious <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to be a woman mm, to. Okay. Yeah, to and to be gosh. quite honest, I feel like there are so many impressive male witches. Look uh, at Justin. In our tradition, yeah. out of our tradition, big name, pagan, <laughs> which is... I mean, Gardner for one. Yeah, Gardner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Gerald Gardner for one. <laughs> yeah, um, Cunningham, if you're not counting traditional Wiccans, um, Buckland. There are so many cornerstones of, of people that have really brought Wicca and witchcraft into the mainstream. 
Christopher absolutely. Penzak. If you want to look at more like modern, yeah, Christopher, Christopher Penzak, Penzak, yeah, Devin Hunter, uh, Matt Aaron. Yeah, Jason Mankey, who I do, have, I do have an interview out with Jason Mankey. Um, it'll probably air before this episode, though. But yeah, he's another pagan who's definitely made some contributions into the community. Yeah, John Chris Beckett, Orpello. if you're into like Druidism. Or yeah, Druid, Chris Orpello. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to, this is like kind of a random thing, but I just want to point it out. I So I'm planning to do an episode about covens and I'll probably end up talking about gardening covens, but I just want to kind of get this out there. I had somebody ask me this and I was very surprised because I was like, wait, what? It really threw me off guard. Somebody asked me once if being Gardnerian means that you worship Ger- Gerald Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. Definitely <laughs> not. Um, Definitely an astounding we, no. No, God, no. Um, no. <laughs> we acknowledge and we appreciate what he gave to us. But we still view him as like a human. We don't view him as like this sort of like prophet. I view him as like Grandpa Gardner. Like literally, he reminds me of someone I wish was my granddad. Because like, if if you ever watch (laughs) old um, footage of him, he's just like this old dude just doing stuff, just like sweeping away. Sweeping the dirt around to bring myself good fortune. Like, he just like, I like to be naked of, around people. Yeah, like. happy, happy nudist guy. Like, I just, and you know, even when you um, listen to him speak in interviews, I mean, obviously there are some problematic things, like you were saying, but um, I'm not saying he's someone to be like idolized, but there no, is a value in what, what he thought was sacred, right? Like, even yeah. uh, there's an old BBC interview that I think you can probably find at least the audio on YouTube for, um, where he's talking about, uh, you know, what witchcraft is and does it have to do with the devil, the devil and Satan or whatever. And he's like, absolutely not. And he just has this like dulcet tone and like, yeah. you might not agree with everything that he has to say and that's totally fine. But you know that like he, ha- he had a reverence and a, and a joy in his practice. And I think that's something we can all relate to. Yeah. And, and I think my very- favorite quote from him oh. is, uh, a witch is a witch is a witch. By mm-hmm. far, my favorite quote from him. A witch is a witch is a witch. Well, there's witch three witches here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's also very important to note, too, that if anybody's interested in getting one of Gerald Gardner's books, first of all, he is not the best author by any means. No. Just keep that in mind. But I mean, I have this one to read, but I also read it in a British accent just because it amuses me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I need to do that now. I'm going to do that now. Oh, my goodness. That is going to be so to- much more entertaining. It does. <laughs> you have to remember that Gerald Gardner was a product of his time. And yeah. so when you are reading works by him or you do hear about him, you have to remember, I mean, he was alive in the 1930s. He really, really pushed for witchcraft to be publicized in the 1950s. And you have to remember, too, back in his day, witchcraft was illegal. <laughs> that's why yeah. he wrote high magic's aid because yeah. it was a fictional story about what actually goes on in witchcraft yeah. um, and he I was driving force with like, uh getting the witchcraft laws in uk repealed too yeah i think the, the whole spiritualist movement really helped in um repealing those laws because it was yeah. becoming a big thing yeah absolutely so you know just i guess circling back with gardenarian tradition we don't worship Gerald Gardner. I'm going to put that on the record right now. Like, sorry. Like, we, he's not our, so funny. our prophet. <laughs> but we, we do. Have a prophet. 
yeah, we don't have a profit, you know, and, and that, this is a, to- we can go into this topic another time, maybe. Yeah, this is another episode. <laughs> this is a whole other episode I mean, right it's now. A mis- it's-, it's a misconception on the Gardarian Wicca, like, we don't worship him. Like, Absolutely. it was oh, literally gosh. called Gardarian Wicca because somebody called us Gardarians, and like, yep. we were just like. It was a joke. It was literally yeah. a joke. It was and like, we you know, we'll it. take it. I think it was more like a riff. Uh, yeah. It was uh, someone slamming us, and then we were like, sure. I want to say it was, it was Cochrane. Yeah, well, it was, I don't know for I sure. I believe it was part of the Cochrane letters uh, of where, like, he those he says, like, those Gardenarians, like, were fanatics. Yeah. And and then we were kind of like, okay, cool. Like, that's what we'll call ourselves now, because everyone started referring to us that way, and we just kind of owned like- it. Yeah, I don't whatever. know if anybody's seen Easy A with Emma Stone, but it's yeah. like an Easy A. People start calling her a slut, so she's like, you know what? Sure. So then she starts wearing an A for like a daughter from the Scarlet Letter on yeah. all of her clothes, but yeah. she's not. Like she actually never had had sex, and like it was like so. It's kind of how like the whole thing with Gardnerian started. But okay, if you guys really want to open this can of worms, do you want to? I mean, sure. now, sure. <laughs> The idea of Gardnerianism as a cult. We are a cult. <laughs> a well, witch we cult? Are, we, we are, but we, we are, are a witch cult. We I are, mean, but we are. Okay, but like, no, you, like have a, to, you have to think about like what a cult is. Yeah. Like, historically, every religion started as a cult. Mm-hmm. Christianity started as a cult. We, it's you a small it group. Yeah, it's yeah. a small group of, you know, of religious you know, ideology that you have. Um, and we are essentially a small group of religious ideology, ideology. Yeah. And, and, in the, I feel like when people think of a cult, um, you know, you think of like, uh, James, you think of, um, yeah. Was it James Jones or Jim Jones or whatever? Yeah, the difference though is that they have, those are called destructive cults, destructive cults. But they They're had a prophet. Cool. They had Warren Warren Jeffs or something. I want to say was the same yeah. was yeah. the difference with Gardnerian is we don't have a prophet. We don't have a central authority of somebody who's in charge. There's no we reigning supreme. Yeah, I mean, there's no reigning supreme leader of all of the Gardnerians. Even if Gerald Gardner was alive today, he would not I, be the supreme he, leader. Yeah, he would not be the supreme leader because it doesn't exist. Yeah. And we're very upfront and adamant about that. And I yeah. think that's one of the things that distinguishes us from like, you can call it a cult if you want, but we're not a cult in the sense of like, we follow a leader, like we're yeah. going to all drink the Kool-Aid and die. Yeah. Like, and we're not a, we're not an organized religion in the way that the church is, you know, sort of sanctified behind like the Vatican or whatever, or. I wish we were organized. Quite yeah. Right. We, a little more organization <laughs> would be cool. Um, and also, there, you know, it, it's worth mentioning too that uh, individual groups have autonomy. They're not ruled yeah. by any one overarching force. However, you know, some people might be annoyed about. You have that. guidelines you have, to get, you have to like stick to, but yeah, they're we very loose. Yeah, they're I mean, very on the coven. They're they're extremely loose. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like, you know, in in a sense, it's kind of like. I mean, it is joining like a religious group. I would venture to say that if you read the Bible and you follow it by every verse, I mean, you're not supposed to wear mixed fabrics or eat meat on Fridays. And that's or have way more. Yeah, or have long hair or there's a p- bunch of things you you cannot do that people do. We yeah. don't really have things like that. Yeah. 
No. So I, I think, you know, the word cult is something that really scares people. I think Gerald Gardner even called this a witch cult. I think that's yeah. how this whole thing Did was referred to. Refer to it as the witch cult or the old religion? Mm-hmm. Right. But it's important to note that that word is just used to represent people who follow this tradition. And in the same breath, you can call Catholicism a cult. You can call no, Jewish. Every religion is a cult. Jewish, yeah, every religion is a cult. And we don't have a supreme leader, but hey, Catholicism has the Pope. So, uh, yeah. you know, all in your court, fam. Priests <laughs> like, and bishops and even Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses, I mean, to a certain extent. But yeah. ultimately, you know, uh, don't be a. F- I think we, you know, one of the things with like studying witchcraft, paganism, Wicca, is reframing a lot of the terms that, uh, ha- you know, have scare quotes around them, like the occult, or which literally means just the hidden, the uh, hidden, hidden mysteries thing. Yeah, the yeah. secret. Um, it, you know, and and cult, which literally just means venerating uh, a group that a small group that religiously venerates figures, certain figures. Yeah, or I mean, you have like the Dionysian the, the, uh, Dionysian cult. You have the Isis cult. Yeah, the, these little the cult of Ulysses, that yeah. That, yeah, the Greek old Greek cults of uh, Athena or Artemis or whatever. Yeah, yeah, because sure. there was no over there was no overarching organized religion that they had. It was a lot of it was just pieced together depending on the area that you were in. Because like mm-hmm. even if you were in Greece, yeah, if you were in if you were in Athens and you were in Sparta, you were not worshiping uh aphrodite the same way because aphrodite in sparta was a war goddess right if aphrodite in in athens was a love goddess mm-hmm. i mean granted she was a bit of both in in each but yeah granted she's got a program. hard she, she's rough around the edges either she's, way yeah. <laughs> a little intense I mean, it, all, it all depends on the culture that you take it from and yeah. uh and you know looking back at it that's where wicca really pulls its um, I don't want to say it's origins from, but it does try to it does try to resemble itself as a sort of um, Chaldean cult. Yeah, Greek mystery cult. Focus, yeah, focus on the mysteries of, you know, mm-hmm. you going through this alchemical process of transforming yourself in the in the sense of you know you really understanding where you are at your core so that you can grow. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, it is. Oh, man, I think we have probably ruffled a bunch of feathers tonight. (laughs) But that's always, like, the fun part of this, you know? And, you know, that's also why I like having guests on because it's such, like, an awesome opportunity to hear witches of different opinions and different viewpoints and life experiences. I mean, Tiana and I are both first, and Azazel or Justin, he's a third degree, and we all come from different walks of life. And being able to converse together about topics, especially – ones that are a little iffy like you know the seventh generation of the witchy bloodline or hey are we in a cult i guess <laughs> or, I mean, but, or things like that yeah, i think it's a really fun and cool opportunity i totally agree and i think the cool thing i mean i don't know i, I feel like if you're gonna be doing controversial things off the mainstream that are like witchcraft or you're gonna become <laughs> pagan or you're gonna become Wiccan or something be okay with having your feathers ruffled a little bit because it helps you grow as a person. Like I like when people have an opinion different than mine because Mm -hmm. I want my mind to be expanded and maybe changed or evolved or to grow because that's how you become a better person. That's how you, 
you know, do better next time. Even if you're making a mistake, even if you're wrong, or even if you just, you're different, you can see somebody's perspective differently. And I think that's really valuable. And I feel like in the era of algorithms where you're only shown things that you agree with, that you like, you never see the opposing uh, viewpoint. And uh, it can be really narrowing to your own perspective. So I like seeking out opposite from me. And I think that's helpful. Yeah. And you know, when you're seeking witchcraft, (laughs) (laughs) you're going to come into these opposite views and, you know, you got to be able to learn how to challenge them, but to also listen. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, any other controversial topics you guys have off the top of your head? Uh, Not that I can think of at the moment. I mean, I do, but this has gone on a long time. (laughs) I mean, we keep going. (laughs) Justin's like, we can keep going. It's fine. Uh, (laughs) I'm over my nervous now. Oh, the last. Oh, you're not nervous anymore. I see you. (laughs) We worked through it. The last, okay, one last thing I do want to mention. It's not really a misconception about witchcraft or Wicca, but it is something that I think is really important. And I noticed it's a problem um, with some people seeking witchcraft. Uh, and also some eclectic okay. Wiccans talk about it in the, on their YouTube channels and stuff. And I've even met people that have this issue um, is that they don't read bad books. This is a conversation I have a lot with my high priest. Which oh, is yeah. that people, How do they know if it's bad though, or they, if it's they, good, if they don't they start, read it? They start reading it and then they'll say like, oh, this is problematic. I hate everything about this. I don't want to read this. This is against everything I believe in. Um, and so therefore I'm not going to read it. And I feel like this is a really big issue when you, when it comes to specifically like, you know, when you're out or courting or you're, 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 you're trying to become initiated uh, with, with a structured, you know, Gardnerian Alexandrian, because it's like, we have a lot of old uh, elders in our traditions that have written books that are potentially problematic in 2020, but they still hold value and they still, need to be read like I feel like there are so many things that can be learned from reading a book that you ultimately hate you know or reading Gardner's works that maybe maybe you don't like Gardner maybe you freaking hate him after you read him and or maybe you're like dang this guy can barely string a sentence together because it's not really that articulate when you read it but it is so important to read the books I mean because it's gonna expand your opinion even if that opinion is I'm never gonna be like this and Mm -hmm. here's why you know, I feel like if you don't read the content, if you don't understand the source, if you're not, you know, reading these old books that, yeah, maybe they aren't, you know, holding up through the test of time, but they still hold value in some way and you get a couple of things from it, like you, you'd be missing out. That, that's, yeah. 100%. And, and like, even I, I want to add on to that because like, I had a little experiment that I did um, because like, I, I'm very active on like Discord. Oh, and cool. and so like I I I randomly joined like different servers and there was one server that I was in that did had a lots of um like younger witches or that were new to the craft or whatever and so I decided to create this uh book club in which we would read um uh like bad books and good books yeah and we would talk about why some books are bad and some books are good like what's a look for how to be critical about the things that you are reading. Yeah. And so um, 
as I created like a list of, you know, things to read, th- things to pick from. And so I think the first one was Harmony Nice is uh, <laughs> Wicca. Uh, or whatever it was I, called. I know a lot of listeners on this watch Harmony Nice. Oh, I watch uh, her channel. I really like her. She's adorable. Uh, <laughs> this one, Justin, came on. Continue, Justin. For what it's worth, for anybody listening, I have actually never watched any of her videos. Okay. <laughs> I only know Harmony Nice because of Justin talking to her about me. I can. Let me rephrase what I just said. Because of Justin talking to me about her. I've never watched any of her videos before. I've watched like one of her videos and I had to turn it off. Um, but uh, yeah, we her it was her book, uh, Thea Sabin's um, book, Wicca for Beginners. Wicca for beginners, uh, yeah, I have that one. That was actually my first book into like introduction to witchcraft. Oh really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Mine I was the, the other Bible was... by the Janet and Stuart Farr. Oh, God. I'm so glad I didn't read that one. I love that book. What are you talking about? Um, uh, what was the other one? Uh, whatever um but yeah like they ended up choosing because like you know they were all very new and they were all you know focused on i don't want to say the pop culture of witchcraft but like the celebrity that was wicca at the time yeah um and so harmony nice was obviously a very prominent name and yeah. so they them being very she's a young you know, fresh name right exactly like, like that she's very young she's pretty she's you know she brought new i i guess ideas to what Wicca was or, or whatever. Um, and so they all picked, like I, I had them vote on which book they were going to pick. And so they picked <laughs> Harmony Nice's book. And so I'm like, all right, perfectly fine. <laughs> I have to read the shit now. But <laughs> so we went through it and it was shocking to me how we literally didn't get through like five chapters of the book before everybody was like, I don't want to read this anymore. Because they were so, con- they were more confused after reading five chapters than, you know, be- prior to writing the book. Yeah. Because, you know, she's writing this book at, you know, uh, just from reading it, she's coming from a sense of, you know, she has like, I think three years of experience. Yeah. She's and- very, she's, she's herself has, has said like, oh, I'm a beginner, but then yeah, they approach like, her to write a book. So it's like, I guess if you're in that situation and that people are going to give you money to write a book. Exactly. You know, like, yeah, I, I understand where she's coming from with that. You know, yeah. you have this popularity, you know, you want to propagate this properly so you can make, you can monetize off of it. I understand that. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you have these people who are just getting into the craft, see you as a popular figure and, you know, taking your word as fact, because that is extremely mm-hmm. common. Yeah. And the, especially in the online community that I've experienced, that I've interacted with, is they take these people's words as fact. They take Scott Cunningham's word as fact, and they don't think critically of the the things that they're reading. Right. But, you know, I think when you're first starting out, it's really hard to form those opinions. And it's really hard to want to have a backlash because you're so eager to want to accept that what you're reading is the truth. And I think that it's not until you finally read a bunch of books or maybe train with a group or talk to a bunch of other witches that you're actually able to start to form those opinions. I mean, I think this goes into like just reading the bad books though. Right. Because like, even if you read the bad books and you hate every one of them, you'll form your own opinion just by getting that experience of, of reading the books, you know, and realizing too, that like, uh, you know, like one of uh, Thorin Mooney, who's like very, you know, active on YouTube. She's an author. Um, 
and she talks about this where she says that like, oh, a lot of the new books that people claim to like, she's like, they're using recycled, recycled ideas from these old books. Yeah. A lot of it is recruited information. Yeah. And um, I also think too, like, you know, I don't know, maybe this is just me and like that this is something that I'm weird for doing, but like, I like watching people that like on YouTube or watching documentaries or reading books where I'm like, I fucking hate this. Like I'll be reading it. And like, I mean, it might be like pulling teeth to get through it, but at the end of it, like it really challenges your mind because you're, you're forced to think about it. Like, why do I not like this? What about Mm. it, you know, is bad or what about it is maybe even that you can take from it. That's good. If anything. Read Harmony Nice's book and get back to it because I could not finish that book. Okay, I haven't I haven't read that one, so I can't speak to that. But <laughs> but um, but you know, like there are a lot of old books uh, that are you know whether they're problematic uh, yeah. now or or they have some value you know that you could take from it. I feel like people would learn a lot more if they were just willing to read them. Cause I feel like there's a lot of like rumor mill acceptance on the internet yeah. where it's like, they didn't read the book, but they knew yeah, this somebody person is canceled them. because they, it's a general consensus that they are canceled. And so I'm not going to read them. Yeah. Or like they watch someone's video review and that person that they follow said, Oh, this book sucks. Or this guy's a douchebag and I don't yeah. like him. Therefore this book sucks and don't read it. And then, so they just took that person's opinion rather than forming their own. Right. And I I think it's so important for people to form their own opinions, which is why, you know, throughout all the episodes that I've had on this podcast, I've been very adamant and upfront of like, listen, like, these are the things that I believe this is the way that I see things. But it's so important for you to go out there and experiment and see what works for you. Because, you know, as much as I want to say that I'm trying to come into this as unbiased as possible, I mean, I do have a background with Gardnerian. And of course, when I started this podcast, I wasn't Gardnerian, you know, even though I was going through an outer court training for the Gardnerian tradition, what I was learning wasn't oath-bound material, wasn't actual Gardnerian tradition, because you're not going to learn that until you're Gardnerian. Yeah. <laughs> like, surprise. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it all really ties back to you have to be able to form your own opinions about the craft. And the best way to do that is to get your hands dirty. It's to not be an armchair witch. It's to cast a circle. It's to read a book. It's to talk mm-hmm. to other witches. And, you know, nowadays it's it's 2020. There's so many platforms out there and so many ways to get in contact with the broader witch community. And, you know, I think that it's so important to be able to do that, to form your own opinions. Because there's so many people out there who say, XYZ is the best way to do things, but until you do it yourself, you're not actually going to know if that's true for you. Yeah. yeah they may be the best way to do things for them, but you know, they may not necessarily work for you and your mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, uh, so that's pretty much what I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> 45 minutes later. Yeah. yeah but so I mean, I feel a- like even, even then, like, even like looking at bad books, there's like, like, uh, Tiana was saying before, like, you know, you can't learn things from it. Like for me, like I recently read um, Chris Orpello's Be Some Stang uh, and Sword. Oh, yeah. And oh, boy. I, I read that one. I honestly, I, I didn't like it. <laughs> Ooh, I heard so many people said that they do like it. You're the first yeah, person yeah. I've heard who I, says they don't. Because like there was certain things in there where I felt like it was, and this is common for me, at least when I read very um, traditional witchcraft centered books, like uh Gemma Gary or um 
uh, I can't really think of any authors right now. Um, but uh, like witchcraft that that centers centers on traditional witchcraft, um, they do tend to have a tendency to focus not necessarily to focus on, but have little excerpts in their books where this is uh, this is what I practice and this is how it separates it from Wicca. But then they go on to to explain how extremely similar to how they just explain you know the differences, but then it sounds just like traditional Wicca. And I'm just like, it's just with a different face. And so like <laughs> it, 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 it's issues for me that I personally have, but there were there Your was parts of, Yeah, there was parts in the book though that I do heavily appreciate about traditional witchcraft that yeah. it does focus extremely on you know, working with the local land spirits, working with the nature around you. That is something that it, it does intrinsically trend, tend to focus on. Yeah. And I try to incorporate that into my own practice. And those are stuff that, you know, I get ideas of. But yes, there are little issues, but there a lot of times it is very, you know, um, circumstantial. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think one of the bigger issues, uh, aside from what you've already stated, which I think is definitely great points um are that like i know some main complaints that people say is like oh this guy is clearly you know sexist or misogynistic and you know he is diminishing females so therefore i'm not going to read what he wrote or this person is transphobic or homophobic very clearly and like because of that i'm not going to read it and it's like let them be like what they are and that's okay if you don't agree with them it's totally okay if like you don't agree with everything they said or anything that they say but hear what they have to say because you might find that like oh okay I actually resonate with this part of this you know but I'm gonna take that from you know what I read and and pull only this part and that would be valuable to you absolutely like don't rob yourself of the experience I guess is 100% like you know always be critical of your own opinion and always be willing to change yeah yeah so I don't want to cut any of us off, but I think this cuts us off at two hours. <laughs> We're almost there. This pretty much turned into like an uncensored witches and wine part two, except not with my HP and HPS. It's with you two awesome people who I adore so much. <laughs> oh, I'm so grateful you guys like wanted me on. I feel so cool being included. I just didn't want yes. to be alone. Yeah, so, uh, Either way, whatever the reason was. Super upfront with all the listeners as always. Justin was very nervous to come on the podcast and I had told him I was talking to Tiana the other day about like how him and I were going to do a podcast and one of the episodes and how when I told her she was like oh that sounds really cool and he was like well why don't you invite her and I was like I will (laughs) so here's the three of us together and it all worked out and you know also fun fact about the witchcraft community I've never met Tiana in person and Justin has never met Tiana in person and I've only met Justin once and you know, the witchcraft community is fucking cool because we're really good friends and here we are. Yeah, I really love it. I think it's one of the yeah. coolest things. Absolutely. All right. So Tiana has been subjected to this three times. So if you want to chime in, feel free, girl. But Justin, yes. if you can give one piece of advice to a beginner, what would you say to them? Um, always be critical of your own practice and of the things that you read, um, because typically, you know, we do tend to, for the vast majority of us, we do tend to be solitary practitioners, um, even ever, even in our personal practices, you know, reading books and learning, trying to gain information from, you know, other people 
always be critical of everything that you read and everything that you take in and, you know, think of how it necessarily works for you and not, not necessarily, not, don't take everything as fact just because somebody that you trust or somebody that you feel like is, um, you know, trying to look out for you, but like, you know, obviously take that into account, but at the same time, be critical of everything that you take in. Absolutely. Tana, did you want to add for a fourth time or are you good? (laughs) Uh, hmm. No pressure. Read bad books and don't be afraid to change your mind. Because, like, at least as far as, like, me becoming Gardnerian and, like, the whole, like, skyclad debate, which is what most turns most people off, uh, which I can neither confirm nor deny. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) But, uh, you know, as far as that, like, (laughs) be willing to hear people out on their opinions, even if you don't agree with them. Because I feel like I was super against... uh, skyclad ritual oh oh girl and, so, and we got we got to have a whole episode on this because girl same and and i <laughs> i went into um exploring paganism in wicca and saying i will never be a gardenarian i'm serious and <laughs> saying that it was not for me um that it was weird that it like it wasn't the thing for me and like just will just look at me now Tatiana. i'm like judging myself Um, but but here we go Uh, you know let yourself be surprised let your mind change uh, and and your opinions grow and evolve and don't be afraid like don't you don't have to stick with something that doesn't serve you anymore that you no longer believe it's okay to change your mind Um, yep you know you don't got to stick with something for some like street cred or whatever Uh, but I you know I've watched so many like documentaries on Wicca and uh, I'll tell you later, Ashley, like what changed my mind or if you want to do an episode on it, we can talk about it because it's going to take too long to explain, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah that's, that's the last thing I would say. Yes, Justin, you can come too. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm going to be a part two to this. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there oh gosh, there's so many things I want to want to say to this, but I'm going to close off the episode <laughs> with my piece of advice or my little nugget of wisdom yeah. which is you're not going to grow if you always stay comfortable. So make yourself yeah. uncomfortable so that you can expand your horizons. Mm-hmm. Yes. Can you and hear that, that was the <laughs> And uh you know, that quote was the one that made me jump in the deep end for gardenerianism. And here I am. I think so. Great. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening. As always, you can find me on my social media at Seek Witchcraft or Twitter. I changed my Facebook name to Seeking Witchcraft Podcast. My Instagram is at Seeking Witchcraft. I also made a Facebook group called Witches Seeking Witchcraft. So feel free to join. Answer the questions, please, or I'm not going to put you in because I just want to make sure everybody in that group is safe and protected and their privacy is being um, respected. Uh, Justin, how can people find you if they ever want to hit you up? Um, you can find me on Instagram at, uh, at Azazel, A-Z-A-I-Z-A-L-L. Um, and also I have, still have a photography page at Hoof and Horn, uh, photography. Um, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have a discord page too, right? Um, not necessarily. No. All right, well, no Discord page. (laughs) Tiana, how can people find you? 
you can find me at Storybook Beauty if you like organic beauty or at Storybook Apothecary on YouTube or you can now follow me on my new Instagram uh, at the Christian and the Witch if you care to listen to my new podcast with my boyfriend where we discuss um, things from uh, my personal pagan Wiccan witch point of view and my boyfriend's progressive Christian point of view as he puts it uh, where we're just going to discuss controversial topics. So, and we put awesome. our first episode and- out yesterday. So. And you can find that podcast on Spotify or Anchor or where can they listen to you? Both, I believe. Definitely Anchor. Um, It might take, I I just published yesterday, so I'm not, I'm pretty sure it's available on Spotify now. Um, But if not, definitely Anchor. All right, cool. Well, thanks again, everybody, for listening. And shout out to the Witchling and Neophyte Patreon group. Oh, my God, guys, I just had another person join today. And I'm so close to getting a microphone. And goddamn, I'm so excited. So thank you again to anybody who feels compelled. I still don't have a microphone. I'm trying. You're going to get it. That's awesome. We're we're getting there. Um, uh, You know, this is a very raw and real and amateur podcast. And I think that's part of the appeal that it's not very sterile and cleaned up because life's not sterile and cleaned up. Let's be real guys. All right. Well, have a good night, everybody. And talk to you soon. And Justin and Tiana, you both are welcome back as many times as you was like. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. I love this. It's been really fun. Thanks for coming on guys. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.